Carrie the Addisons. Let me say this, as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've got to be careful and make sure that in everything, man, we are trying to get as close to what the word says as possible. And we got to understand that with that type of wickedness, man, you know, God does not wink at that. That's judgment. Promoting truth, wisdom, and empowerment. And you don't have shades of truth. You have truth or you have error. You have fact or you have fiction. And now we go into the thick of it. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Erin Addison's. On American Family Radio, thank you for tuning in. I'm Miki. And I'm Will. And Sherry B. is over in Studio CC. We will try to get to some calls in the last segment of the show. I'm going to wrap up from Whence Came Woke in this first segment. At least that's my aim. Mm-hmm. In the second segment, we're going to take a look at how media um, does its part to weaken society. This is a part of what we've been discussing yeah. when we talk about cultural Marxism. Remember, um, eroding um, morality mm-hmm. is key. Right. Sexualizing children is key. Man. And remember, the need for the media to be involved is key. If you if you read Gramsci, mm. uh, the media has to play a role in this. And so you can see why many of the action alerts that come from our organization and many of um, the grievances, if you will, that we have um, kind of revolves around seeing why this is happening. Yeah. And, and, you know, sexualizing children does not bode well for any culture, for any society. And so, um, but, but this is not accidental, right? This is not accidental. So, you know, for all of the people who maybe sometimes, you know, you kind of find yourself, you're like, eh, why do you guys care so much over there at AFA? You know what I mean? Why, why, why don't you just ignore what Netflix is showing? Why don't you just let them, because we understand that this is all a part of the, this is a part of the plan. Mm. This is how all of this works. I mean, you know, you erode a society, you tear down a culture when you sexualize children, right? When you rob children of their innocence. And so, man, all of it is very sinister. It's plotted out. It's not something that's like, oh, oh, look at that's that. Look at how that happened. Mm-hmm. It's not a, um, you know, convenient accident. Right. It's, right. it's all really baked in the cake. So, yeah. Anyway, we're going to talk about that in the second segment of the show. Tim Winter will join us. He is the president of the Parents Television Council. And we're going to talk about uh, 2020 trends that maybe you missed and um, should not have. <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? It's hard to keep up with everything. Um, but for all of us parents, we'll talk about what is going on in media, specifically Netflix. But Net- Netflix is not alone. Um, you know, <laughs> definitely not alone. <laughs> they're not alone. So, you know. Anyways, yeah. so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, basically the point that we're trying to make over the last several days is not on. This is not only a culture. I'm sorry. This is not only a color thing. Right. Because, you know, it's the it's because we've been conditioned to always look for, as it's called, the racial element, mm-hmm. you know, but the destruction of our country, the destruction of our society, uh, it doesn't just need ethnicity. Right. Mm-hmm. It's happening in so many different ways. It's happening in the education system. It's happening in media. Mm-hmm. It's happening in schools. Mm-hmm. I, well, that'd be the education system. Mm-hmm. Let me say institutions of higher learning. So yeah. at the university level, uh, just to expand that. And un- unfortunately, and and this is what I think is most dire. It's happening in our churches. Yeah, it's happening in our churches. So. Anyways, Will the Great, anything from you before we go back into kind of wrapping up because we're kind of taking this trip, this journey and looking at how Marxism has made its way quaintly in our midst. I think it's very important that we talk about the things that we're talking about because we're seeing them manifested really right before our eyes. 
And I hope I'm hoping that this is a a, a time of awakening for the mm-hmm. people of God uh, to shake ourselves and to say, man, why are we so lax about this? Why don't we have you know more uh, passion maybe about discipling our our children when we see the world you know throwing all their resources at yep. at getting our our kids you know yeah. um, yes you know <laughs> and I said this before you know we do have. A right, you know, Second Amendment and all that. But man, and you know, people like to talk about, well, they're going to take our guns. They're going to take, yeah, that's one fight. But man, uh-huh. they're taking our kids. Come on, Will. That should that, be on that's the a top profound of statement. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, man, we should get all up. Yep. You know, in uh, uh, uproar. Man, yep. they're trying to that's steal right. our kids. You know, that's right. And and I and I would hope that the church and the people of God would be shaken. You know, it's mm-hmm. almost like you're like, man, let's wake up. You yeah. Know? And I and I think that's part of the job that the Lord has called us to do is really to um, alert people to this, mm-hmm. because I think I really believe that there would be, um, I think, a sufficient uproar mm-hmm. if people were thoroughly convinced that it were happening. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think that when you look at some of the other sinister plots and plans, um, they are laid out in a way that people who immerse themselves in this discussion, yeah. they can see it and they go, yeah, we see that. Yeah. But I don't think there was as much attention given to yeah. the sinister drive behind what is manifesting in the culture today. Yeah. I think we can see it, but we don't know that it's connected to a diabolical plan. Right. We don't know that its aim is for our children so as to erode culture. That's been in like, motion for a long time. A very long and, time. And I think That's we right. do have a problem. When we talk about television and what we watch and all this kind of stuff and what's being presented to our children, mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think one thing that we have to uh, uh, look at with ourselves is, man, I think sometimes we like stuff that we shouldn't like. That's so right. Hard, We've talked about this before. You know, yes, so it's that's hard right. to, to drop the hammer on, on the kids, you know, and, yeah. and, and what they're watching and trying to, you know, stop certain things from coming in when we like stuff that's yeah. sc- scandalous. Come on. You know, Look, listen, we are not going to be able to be vexed by a wicked culture if we are participants. That's right. You know, we have to maintain that tension. We talk about this tension all the time where we have to live in the world, but we are not of the world, right? right? We have to love the world, but not be in this kind of love relationship with the world that we just can't let go of what it values. Mm. And that's a tension for the Christian, but it's a tension that we're called to nonetheless. And considering everything that has been secured for us, I mean, it's worth doing, mm. you know? And so, as you say, and and rightfully so, there are so many things that we as parents have to be able and and be willing to put down ourselves so that we can protect our children. Mm-hmm. We cannot be partakers of wickedness and, and evil things and then tell our children, oh, but you don't do that. Right. You right. know what I mean? We've got no, to have the exactly. same convictions. And, and unfortunately, so much has been normalized in our culture that we don't we don't feel it. Listen, for some of us, we're going to have to have that time of just taking ourselves out of certain things cold turkey. Mm. You know, for mm-hmm. some people, it is there is an addiction to media. Mm-hmm. There is an addiction to entertainment. Mm-hmm. Right? There there is an addiction to social media. Mm-hmm. And so for some of us, we're going to have to say I willfully take myself out of this Mm -hmm. so that the Lord can purify my heart once again. Right. So that the Lord can help me, can give me the victory over these things. Because if not, we are 
though we think we're older, we're like the masses in a sort of a fog. Yeah. In a, you know, in a sort of a fog. So anyways, um, I'm, I'm just going to move quickly just to wrap up because the question that we left off with yesterday was how did critical theory make its way from the Frankfurt school in Germany? Um, and that was through Columbia university. I Mm -hmm. say Columbia university served as the midwife Mm -hmm. for uh, cultural Marxism's birth in America. And as this theory, this theory was developed, um, it is exactly what it sounds like. Uh, it was a framework that was designed to be critical of every institution that we hold dear in America. So the family, democracy, self-evident truth, uh, freedom of speech, biblical sexuality, biblical morality, uh, even male leadership. And as you, you read some of the documents and see how it developed it's amazing that you could see how to the Marxists, you have to behead the family, mm, mm-hmm, man. Mm-hmm. And, and, and man. look, as Christians, we don't even get that. We're, we're just like, <laughs> no, God sees us all the same. Well, listen, of course we have equal worth and value before God, but we absolutely have different positions. That's right. And God did that on purpose in his infinite wisdom. You know, it, it's amazing how, man, it's amazing how the wicked know so well what they need to destroy. Mm. But we as Christians don't know at all mm. what we should be fighting to protect. Why is that? Why is that? That's a, that's a lack of prayer. Mm. Anyways, back to this. So looking at what critical theory birthed through Columbia University um, infecting America uh, sought to destroy. The end game is that the weight of this criticism that is coming from critical theory, mm-hmm. the weight of this criticism will collapse all that it criticizes. This is so important. This theory, critical theory, seeks to ultimately collapse every institution which invites the use of its framework as a tool for progress. Mm. And I was getting into this yesterday, and this is exactly what happened to critical theory itself. Mm-hmm. Okay? Like they start to get together, and then the black critical theorists. Mm -hmm. get involved and they say, well, hold on. Since we're scrutinizing everything, (laughs) let's scrutinize what you liberals are doing. And the, and the white liberals were like, no, 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 wait, hold up. We're all on the same. If you start to turn the tools on us, you're going to destroy our movement. And the black critical theorists said, so be it. (laughs) And from that, from that, we got critical race theory. Something else that I think is interesting that happened in the meantime on the way to critical race theory. And again, this is just so that our her listeners will have an idea of how sinister critical theory and cultural Marxism actually is and how it has really infiltrated all of our all of our society in ways that we didn't even know. In 1950, at UC Berkeley, there's a, a group of Marxists who published The Authoritarian Personality. And this work redefined biblical American views, right? So not just American views, but American views that were rooted in a fear of the Lord God, Mm. right? Rooted in a knowledge of the scripture, which we don't know this as Americans, but there's so many of our views that are rooted just there, right? So anyways, in particular, the gender role of women, um, the gender roles of women and the sexual mores that were classified as prejudice or oppressive, those were the things that had to go. Hmm. Those are the things that had to be changed. Authoritarianism was said, okay, <laughs> authoritarianism was said to be suppressed homosexuality expressing itself in outward hostility. <laughs> wow. 
So to believe that there is any source of authority, that there is that there is any, you know, right or wrong. And because if you say that there's right or wrong, there must be someone who exists outside of that to have set that standard. Mm-hmm. Right. So for the Marxists, they call this authoritarianism. And they said, really, what that is, is suppressed homosexuality. These are people who have unhealthy lust and desires and they cover it up with control. Wow. This was actually the completion of a work that began um, in Frankfurt, Germany, at the Frankfurt School, but it was um, tailored for American consumption. Um, Overtly, Marxist ideas were sanitized, and instead of tracing their research back to economic explanations, like Mm -hmm. because remember, we have to move away from the money component because people are like, eh, I can get a better job, right? So instead, what they did... um, they connected their hostility and their findings and all of these things to psychological explanations. Mm. That's why so many of us get in trouble and trying to define or classify things that are clearly biblically explained. Mm -hmm. Right. But we use psychological terms today. We use psychology Mm. to describe things and look, and I'm not, you know, I'm not getting off into but just understand that this has a root in something that many of us have have not researched. Yeah. We don't know that the reason we don't describe things, biblically speaking, the, the reason we don't look at depression the way the Bible describes depression mm. is because someone hijacked that mm-hmm. and said, now nah, we need to look more at psychology here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there is something, something to be said about how the mind works and all those things. Yeah. And even the fact that the Lord has allowed for us to be able to know and to understand that. But but also recognize this, that if we merely look at the psychology of people, the, the psychology of how we work, then we don't turn to the Bible for answers. Hmm. We man, turn to true. the psychology for answers. And that's, man, that's what's predominant right now. You know, absolutely. Like that's what absolutely. we turn first. <laughs> so here's what the culture, the cultural Marxists did. They created these pathologies that Americans would see as deeply rooted in who we are as people. Right. So we have these pathologies that we are prone to, that we are given to. Um, women are prone to see themselves as weaker and subservient and, and you're not good for doing anything. And, and so what the Marxists did was say, that's just that's an American thing mm. that it isn't so like that in the world. Right. Women, you've got to know your worth and your value. No one is over you. Now, think about this. What this is, this is getting back to Gramsci's and the hegemony, mm-hmm. right? That you've got these people who have normalized behavior, that even those who are oppressed by the behavior, you think that that's what you should crave. All right. <laughs> we got to go. <laughs> Aaron the Addison's American Family Radio. We'll be right back. He put that hunger in your heart. He put that fire in your soul. His love is the reason to keep on believing. When you feel like giving up, when you feel like giving in, his love is the reason to keep on believing. Quoting from um, his prison notebooks written uh, between 1929 and 1935, just hearkening back to a couple days ago. Remember, Antonio Gramsci, uh, in his own words, okay, wrote that socialism is precisely the religion that must overwhelm Christianity in the new order. Socialism will triumph by first capturing the culture 
via infiltration of schools, universities, churches, and the media, mm. and the media by transforming the consciousness of society, by mm. transforming the consciousness of society. So let's turn our focus to the media and talk about um, some of the trends we've observed in 2020 troubling. Um, and I think that's probably an understatement. Uh, with more than 20 years in broadcasting, cable, internet, and uh, new media technologies, along with a law degree, Tim Winter brings a wealth of experience to his position as president of the Parents Television Council. And he joins us in this segment to talk about the battle that we are in as parents to protect the innocence of our children. Um, Netflix isn't making this any easier. <laughs> and as we said in the first segment, Netflix is not alone. Right. Um, but when you start going through what they have to offer, which doesn't seem right to say, <laughs> um, it seems that it's, it's most egregious there. Tim Winter, thank you so much for joining us. How are you? I am well. Good afternoon to you from Hollywood and Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas to you and your family. Um, so catch us up. What is it that um, the Parents Television Council has been up to in 2020 um, with so many families because of what's going on in our country? Sort of, um, I don't know, maybe letting their guard down and kids consuming a lot more entertainment, a lot more media than they normally would. Yeah, well, the Parents Television Council proudly is celebrating our 25th anniversary this year, and uh, our mission is, of course, to help parents protect their children from the graphic sex, violence, profanity, and other uh, toxic, negative information that is so pervasive in mm -hmm. today's entertainment media culture. Yeah. Um, when we look at how children are consuming their entertainment media today, and, and uh, by and large, you know, it, it used to be through through television and and then uh, increasingly some of these digital media technologies uh, came to the forefront. This year has seen, as you rightly said, a very troubling trend. Um, when, when the pandemic hit, many parents were forced to keep their children home. Uh, right. Instead of going into classrooms, they were put in front of computer screens. Mm -hmm. Instead of going to play with their friends, they were asked to shelter at home and turned to electronic media to get their entertainment. And what we learned was just within a mouse click or two away, uh, children were being exposed to, through, through mainstream media outlets, by the way, children mm -hmm. were being increasingly exposed to some of the most toxic, harmful uh, programming we have ever seen produced and distributed in any form of entertainment media, mm -hmm. Netflix being one of the, the biggest culprits. Wow. Yes, let's let's talk a little bit about that on this on this program. Just so you know, uh, we have discussed the fact that the ratings are off for these television programs. We've discussed the amount of language that's in the programs that would be rated. You know, parents would say, oh, well, if it's PG or if it's PG-13, they might make some basic assumptions about what's being presented to children. So we've discussed that on this program before. But let's talk more recently about what is happening or what kinds of programs Netflix is offering. And at this point, maybe it would be wise for us to give a disclaimer because um, as delicately as we can, we can try to describe for parents um, what really is just normal for Netflix. I mean, they think it's okay to sexualize children, but still it's, I mean, it's very disturbing to discuss. Is it not, Tim? It's very disturbing. And I am always trying to be mindful when I'm speaking to, especially to to audiences that really cherish faith and family values, yes, I, I want to be so mindful not to say things that would offend the listeners. Mm -hmm. 
So I'll, I'll I'll do my best, but it's I have to tell you it can be very difficult at times. You know, yes. we're, we're, we we watch this stuff to make sure we can understand what's going mm-hmm. on, and oh, I don't want to be too specific because I think a lot of your members would be your listeners would be really offended and, and shocked to hear some things, but it's important for them to understand just how far things have gone, especially with Netflix. Yeah. yeah. Um, we're yeah. now it, it, when I started at the Parents Television Council, we were concerned about sex and violence and profanity that. Uh, that children might might see on programming. Mm-hmm. That then became a, a different trend where the children were on the programs witnessing these things. That then, the next step for Hollywood was children were the ones saying the explicit things and doing the explicit mm-hmm. things. Now what we have is children, sometimes as young as 9 years old, 11 mm-hmm. years old, 13 years old, being put into positions where they are sexually active sexually involved, very explicit, very graphic, words I would never use or say here, but I can tell you it is the harshest, harshest profanity. It actually shows children engaged in explicit conduct. Hmm. And and you'd think that for Hollywood that faced its Me Too mo- moment, you know, mm-hmm. as a movement a few years, a couple years ago, that they would not want to perpetuate and sh- and use as entertainment that very depiction or description that they they say they're fighting against. Uh, they say they're against the sexual exploitation of children, and yet they are asking us to be entertained by it with our subscription to streaming services like Netflix. Yeah, you know, and it's, it's interesting, though, because that is a part of Netflix's defense or their pushback against parents who pushed back against the program, in particular cuties. Mm -hmm. Um, They kind of tried to make themselves seem like some sort of warriors for protecting women and children. Am I right about that? Yeah, one of their defense mechanisms is to say, well, we're just trying to start a dialogue. And, well, you're misunderstanding this. This is a coming-of-age story that we're trying to uh, expose how difficult it is for children at these ages to, uh, to, to grow and mature and the things that they're dealing with. For whom are these shows produced? If you're mm-hmm. going to show, and, and par- I'll be very careful, yeah. if you're going to show even cartoon pictures of naked children mm-hmm. and then say, well, that's supposed to help a child you know, deal with that age that, that, and, and going through those, those changes, body, bodily changes, but it's rated as appropriate for only adults, who is this show being produced for? Who is supposed to be marked? Mm. Who is supposed to be viewing this program? Wow. Yeah. If it is adults that are supposed to be watching naked children, that is deeply troubling, and it is of no value if you're saying this is trying to be marketed to children. Either way, it's wrong. Either way, it is uh, we think borderline illegal. Mm-hmm. And 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 yet here, a publicly traded corporation that is heralded as the great new thing in Hollywood is is profiting from these types of of, of de- descriptions and depictions. So, so you you said borderline illegal. In my mind, I'm trying to think where is it not legal for underage nine year old children to be engaged in activity uh, like this? And you know where? How do they get cover uh, for for these types of things? Mm. Great question. Uh, historically, um, Hollywood and, and and the music industry has done this as well. They they wrap themselves in the flag and say, this is our precious right of free speech. Mm. And, you know, sadly, many of the courts have agreed with them. But what's good is that uh, 
with our outcry, for instance, over cuties, this program you mentioned where the 11-year-old girls were very sexually uh, exploited and sexualized. Mm -hmm. And it was ostensibly supposed to to condemn sexualization of young girls, but they actually perpetrated that very thing in telling the story. The good news is that a Texas grand jury levied a criminal indictment against Netflix for Mm -hmm. the sexual exploitation of children. We hope that this is just the first of many such actions taken by uh, by by local jurisdictions. We have called on the federal uh, Justice Department also to do the same thing, to look at these uh, these cases. We have growing bipartisan support on Capitol Hill. Uh, senators and congressmen, both sides of the political aisle, who are increasingly concerned about the sexual exploitation of children in entertainment, and they too are, are pushing back on cuties and others. Uh, again, 9, 11, 13 years old, um, it's it's absolutely wrong, and and that's why this fight is so important. Hmm. I know that if um, our listeners will go to your website, and if you don't mind, Tim, I, I'll have you give that um, so that our listeners can keep up with Parents Television Council so they know what's going on. I know that you guys are able to uh, carefully write more than maybe we can discuss on this program. And and I hate that because we're not, you know, you're not trying to be vague just for vague sense. But I, I don't know. I have a sense of not wanting to expose our listeners to things that would be harmful while at the same time saying we've got to battle. So mm-hmm. what I would do at this point is um, maybe have you direct our listeners to your website because you guys have written um, about some of your greatest concerns with Netflix in particular. Yes, our website is parentstv.org, parentstv.org. You know, our mission is to to protect children and to help parents be better parents. Uh, We provide a number of, of tools, resources, where you can become more active, more engaged, also to learn and be aware of what's going on out there in the entertainment media culture, and to take action. Raise your voice. Add your voice to our choir because it takes a huge choir for, for some folks to, to, to hear us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not just Netflix, by the way. Walt Disney Company. Walt Come Disney on. Company now owns Hulu. Hulu is a streaming service that competes mm-hmm. against Netflix. Hulu actually has 13-year-old characters engaged in very sexually explicit behavior. Wow. What must Walt be thinking wow. where his, his corporation... Right. Is, is distributing sexually active 13-year-olds, very graphic scenes, um, and, and profiting from that. This uh, is, is hardly the happiest place on earth that he tried to create right, uh, right. You know, 75 years ago. So what is it, in addition to us, you know, when there are petitions for us to sign, you know, as parents, we are signing those petitions. That's a part of the activism that we do here at the AFA. You know, when there are um, lawmakers for us to call, we're doing that. Um, in addition to that, I'm wondering if it appears that um, companies like Netflix, do they feel the sting of canceled subscriptions? I mean, mm-hmm. I, I know that that's got to speak mm-hmm. to them. It does. And one thing that the Parents Television Council has been very successful at over its, its decades of service uh, to families is trying to follow the money mm-hmm. and use economic levers wherever we possibly can. In broadcast television, much like the AFA has been has been so wonderful at doing and supporting our work, uh, talking to the advertisers, the sponsors, mm-hmm. the corporate sponsors of, of television shows. We've seen shows get canceled or edited down because of the pressure that we put on the advertisers. Mm-hmm. With Netflix, it's a little bit different. We don't have corporate advertisers to go to and, and complain to. But what we do have is 
uh, we have the ability to unsubscribe. Um, yeah. After Cuties came out, many Americans unsubscribed from Netflix, and their stock went down by, I think it's like 10 or 11% just over the Good. course of a couple of days when they mm-hmm. announced their subscriber numbers had dipped. Um, we also have to make sure that our law enforcement officers hear about what's going on. We mm-hmm. also have to make sure that our, our politicians, our public uh, servants, they must know what's going on. Yeah. All of this does matter. Put every thumb we can on our side of the scale when it comes to uh, pushing back against indecent, explicit, toxic material, especially that's hurting children. Every voice truly does matter. And what we're going to be launching next year and the coming year is a shareholder resolution plan. We want corporate shareholders of these companies to be forced to vote yes or no. Will this company exploit children sexually for the sake of profit? Mm, That's the good. question we want to put to them. Mm. And if yeah. the shareholders agree with us, they're going to push back on uh, on uh, corporate executives. Wow. Yeah. No, this is, I mean, this is the time, you know, I, I think that some parents kind of, you know, maybe in some instances have taken the approach that, well, you know, we're not watching that, we're not consuming that, so we're not tipping our hat in that direction. But I think now our voices have got to be louder. And I Mm -hmm. think canceling subscriptions, I think, has got to be a part of it. I think signing petitions, you know, going on record and saying we reject this because what we're talking about is not just, you know, I think of not just us protecting our kids in our home. I think of trying to protect the kids that we may never meet who will be the victims of somebody's sexual appetite because you've got companies that are normalizing sexual activity among kids as young as 9, 10, 11 years old, um, normalizing prostitution among teenagers and even glamorizing that. I mean, this has dire effects on our society, does it not? It does indeed. And um, I really appreciate what you just said, Miki. You know, I've been doing this for a long time, and it can be daunting at times. Mm -hmm. But but part of the inspiration of waking up every day and trying to fight for something good is is hoping and praying and working for children, parents, families, the kids who may never even know our name, mm-hmm. that they yeah. can be benefited by a healthier entertainment environment. Just like we want healthier air to breathe, we want healthier air, uh, we want healthier uh, environment with our media that makes it healthier, safer, and sound for, for children and families. If they are breathing this negativity, the consequences can only be bad. You opened our conversation today with with a very important quote about about how if you you know by controlling the media messaging you can influence generations of Americans for to come, and yes. that's why this work is so important. Hmm. Well, thank you, thank you so much for yeah, the work that you guys are you. doing, Tim Winter, president of uh, Parents Television Council. Thank you for your your organization and all that you're doing. Because look, I got I got to tell you, you know, when you say to us. Um, you know, we've got to watch this stuff. We've talked about that before, you know, um, for the people who subject themselves to this so that they can report on it and so that they can warn us. Yeah, man, I look <laughs> because lines, it, yeah, because you don't just get up and erase your mind. Right. You know, these are the things that, man, you've you know, so that's it's a battlefield. It really is. Yeah. And anyway, thank you so much for the work that you're doing. I want to direct our listeners to go to parents parentstv.org take a few minutes to care to know what's going on and to respond accordingly the reason we see uh the effects of 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 media on our culture the way we see it is probably because we've underestimated just how strong the impact Mm. of media really can be that's right parents television council fighting for your kids 
um, fighting for all of us, really. So go to ParentsTV.org, ParentsTV.org, and learn more. We'll grab the break, and we'll be right back. Your name is stronger than sickness. Oh, you are the strong name. And your name is more powerful than darkness. You are strong name. And your Man, welcome back to Aaron the Addison's on American Family Radio. Yeah. I'm Miki. And I'm Will, and that's Darius Polk with Strong Name. Sherry B is over in Studio CC. I tell you what we'll do. Um, I was I was gonna go back and and but I, I think I think our listeners get the point. Um, you know, that's why these things are presentations, right? Because they <laughs> they have to be done in a certain type of format and maybe not, you know, in 15 minute increments. And so Anyway, I will just say this, man. We are in a huge battle. It is spiritual yeah. in nature. Yes. It is spiritual in nature. Uh, Will the Great was saying during the break, man, we need to be praying for people like Tim Winter, yes. um, people like Monica Cole, yeah. who uh, really, that's missions work, right? They are <laughs> putting themselves in positions that, man, you know, and we've said this before, like, man, Monica has to watch this stuff. Like, right. you know, it's like, yeah. ah, I don't, you know, I don't want to do that. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to, because what you're doing, you have to actually subject yourself to what, I don't know, essentially become these mind grenades Mm. that can go off at any second. Right. You know, you you don't get up from your work and then scrub your mind. Right. You know, it's quite different than someone who literally does dirty work with their hands. You get up, you wash your hands. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? You go on with life. But when you've got to do the dirty work that involves your mind, it's... That is hard work, you know? And yeah. so anyways, um, we need to be praying for people Amen. who are doing work like this. Amen. No, I agree. Yeah. I agree. And, and we, All right. we need to take that seriously because, like you said, it's missionary work, you know, it's frontline work, and uh, it's very necessary work, you know, for the body of Christ and, and beyond. So, Yeah. Um, let's open the phone lines. I'll give the number. Um, you can respond to anything we've talked over the last few days, talked about over the last few days. Uh, and I want to kind of do that a little bit today because I think tomorrow we're going to have JD uh, join us in studio and um, um, the Friday before our Christmas break. Mm-hmm. And so we'll just try to get a bunch of our questions and comments today okay. if, if we can. 888-589-8840 is the number to call. 888 888- Five eight nine eight eight four zero. Sherry V is over in Studio CC. We appreciate her. Mm-hmm. She will get you queued up, and uh, then we can talk about what we've discussed over the last several days. Talking about uh, Marxism, basically cultural Marxism, yeah. Um, as it has, you know, quietly uh, become normal <laughs> in our culture and our society. We don't even recognize it. You know, so much we've adopted, we don't even recognize it. Yeah, no, it's, it's it's crazy. But I think when we go through things like this, you know, the the presentation that that you're doing, it, it man, for the believer, it's like, wow, this stuff is happening. You know, this is yeah. what's going on. Mm-hmm. And like you said, the sad part is that this stuff is happening in the church. You know, like it has made its way. Yeah. You talk about that long march. <laughs> Man, that march is, yeah, has made its right. way, you know, into the walls of, of the church where it should not have had any traction at all. 
you know, but we find mm-hmm. that it mm-hmm. seems like it, it, in certain sectors, man, it, it has gained a lot of traction and caused a lot of division, even amongst the body of Christ. So yes. this is very, very important. That's right. I'm telling you, look, you know, we there are people you will encounter people all the time who will not agree with you uh, endeavoring to protect your children. Mm-hmm. Um, they won't agree with you uh, seeing spiritually what is really happening. Uh, and when you start to talk about that, they don't want you to focus on that. Right. Yeah, they want us to right. just continue living on as if we are in Mayberry. You know, they and, and, and I say all the time, listen, the time to get a Coke for a nickel is over. <laughs> You're not you're not going to get a Coke for a nickel. You're not even going to get one for a dime and and not even a quarter for that matter. Right. That time is over. You got (laughs) to you got to close the chapter on that. And our war is not to get back to that. Right. Right. Our war is to stop the hemorrhage. Mm. You got to stop the bleeding. And and I'm going to tell you, the focus needs to be the greatest attention needs to be given to the church. Right. Right. Because what we have got to do is secure the gospel for this next generation. This is why. You've got people who are like, whoa, what what have I done? Mm. They look at their kids and they're like, what have I done? And and we never expect these consequences to look the way they look. But, man, I'm telling you, you know, when when you hmm, <laughs> when your kid is wrestled away from you at four, mm. at five, and then your kid is, you know, subjected to the culture. um. Man. They will become your enemy. Yeah. Make no mistake yeah. about it. Yeah. They will become your enemy, yeah. you know? And so we've got to do what God has put us in place to do. Yeah. We've got to stand against wickedness in our culture. Mm-hmm. We've got to resist the devil. Look, we, you know, we don't, um, I don't think that we have all the best practices. And so when I offer it, I'm not offering it to say, man, this is what every family needs to do. But I'm telling you, the more we research and the more we learn what's going on, you know, we put rules in place that our kids are not allowed to search mm-hmm. on any um, media outlets, whatever, and any viewing without us present. Mm-hmm. If they want to find something specific, if they're looking for something specific, we do the searching. Yeah. Or, or if you're on the which I don't even trust kids settings. Right. I don't even trust know, kids settings because even they're that, on the kids setting. Then yeah. I'm, yeah, I'm like, nah, you yeah. can't you, because I just, I just, I really do see what is going on. And I understand that there are certain things that have to be normalized in our culture for the cultural Marxist to win. Yeah. And children have got to be hypersexualized. And in many instances, you know, it seems we've already lost that battle when, when our schools have days of silence, you know, when our schools have mm. conversations over where kids get to use the bathroom, will they be protected, who they're going to play um, sports against and all of these things. And in, in many, many ways, we've already lost that battle. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, our kids are not allowed to search. They're not allowed to watch things on devices away from us. Mm-hmm. That's just accountability. Yeah. And that's something that we've recently started doing, because though we trust our children. Right. We understand that the enemy um, is not playing nice with them that's right you know what i mean that's because right. they're willing mika's kids you know like <laughs> right. the enemy's not going oh yeah. okay that's your mom and your daddy all right well no because we understand what's at stake here you know we understand that at any second um they can be robbed of their innocence and so one of the things that we've implemented is if you're if you're watching on a device if you've given been given permission and usually you know they know how to ask because mm-hmm. they know what what can i have one hour that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can I have, can I have one hour? Right. And that's usually how the question is raised because that's always been the answer. 
previously it's can I have some time on a device? Yeah. And then okay, yeah, you can you can have one one hour. Right. All right, set a timer for one hour. So now they know that that's going to be the increment there. So they come, can I have one hour <laughs> mm-hmm. on a device? And now mo- most recently we've said, hey, you need to be on the device in a common room. Together, yeah. It's just there's accountability in that. Yeah. You can't be in your room with your yeah. door closed and all of that. And and it's not because I think, oh, they're just. No, it's because I understand that Satan is not playing games. Mm-hmm. Right. One of the reasons that we homeschool. And in fact, the chief reason that we homeschool our kids is because the Lord has given us the undeniable conviction that we are to make our kids useful to him, Amen. that they are to be useful to him. And I know and will knows that the enemy does not want that to be so. Yeah. And I I wanted to say too, it's amazing how, when you look at how hard the world is, is going to, to, to try to penetrate the heart of your child, you know, you get pushback like from the church sometimes, from church, mm-hmm. from other, f- f- um, fellow Christians of, man, yep. oh, you don't take all that. Like, wow, man, y'all doing all that. Like, it's all, uh, even if, if nothing is said, it's almost like a, a, a attitude. It's like, oh, like, you know, really? You know, but man, when we look at this stuff and we understand like how, how long it's been uh, in play and what, what the, the objective is. And as we see, even on college campuses and things like that, we talk to people who, Man, their children have become, like you said, an enemy. It's like, man, yes. we have to uh, be aggressive on our end as parents, you know, for protecting our children. Now, you know, mm-hmm. it's not this whole thing where we, you know, it's not a bubble thing, but yeah, it is kind of. No, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it's, it's preparation. It's, it's preparation. And the thing is, yeah. you know, man, I, I feel like if you take if you take seriously that uh, these are arrows in your quiver. You know, mm-hmm. th- these are, are, are instruments that God's going to use even to penetrate this culture. Then on the front end, you have to do everything that you can, you know, to make sure that those arrows are straight to make sure that they're going to hit the mark. You know, they're going to hit the target, and, you know, and you have to be a skilled ar- archer as well. And I think we right. as the people of God have, have to look at, you know, these things more closely because, the man, the enemy's playing for keeps. And and he's like I say, putting all resources behind uh, uh, our our children and man. Yes. So it does yes. take all of that, you know. It does, and more, and probably some stuff we're not doing. But <laughs> right. and I, I will say, <laughs> right? I will say that all of this folds into our larger discussion. And I'm 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 just going to pivot back to it, yeah. um, since I have not been alerted that there are calls. Well, I'm there are no calls. Are like, so let's, well, good. Let's go. then, I mean, not good. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I'm sorry. Sorry, family. I just, what I meant to say was that means you want me to go back into the presentation, which I will gladly do, right? Because we're looking at critical theory and how that ultimately became critical race theory. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'll go back into it because listen, these things have been adopted by the church as frameworks, mm-hmm. right? Right. That, that you say, hey, you know, we can use this philosophy to help us navigate within the body of Christ. What I intend to show is that there's no way we can use any framework that's built on lies, deception, mm. and rebellion against God right. to be beneficial to the people of God. Right. Like, you know, like Satan's not going to drive out like Satan. That. Right. Come on. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> so why are we bringing his framework into the house of God and trying to make exactly. that something that we use to relate to each other? It just doesn't work. Right. So critical race theory, um, if you've been trekking with us over the last three days, was developed in 1989 as a legal framework. Now, listen to this. It was developed in 1989 as a legal framework through which the determination could be made 
that America's legal system is inescapably racist. Mm. Hmm. Now, now let's replace America's legal system. Mm -hmm. And let's say we're going to employ critical race theory in the church as a framework through which the determination could be made that the <laughs> church is inescapably racist. Mm. Wait, wow. what? So wow. there's no, there's no redemption. There's no forgiveness. Let's, let's say, for example, I am given to partiality. Mm -hmm. Like, so, so, so according to critical race theory, right? After Paul opposes Peter to his face, mm -hmm. then Peter is forever marked, right? <laughs> That's it. He can't, you know, there's no, there's no forgiveness. There's no redemption. That's what critical race theory says. Think, look, the word inescapably. Right, man. That means, that means it will never be fixed. That's You've got to just overhaul it, tear it down and rebuild it. That's without hope. And we know that that's without hope. does not apply, <laughs> you know, in, in Christianity. There's hope. You can be set free from that. So it's not, there's, there's nothing that can be inescapable as far as like, you know, uh, uh, partiality and any mm -hmm. sin issue like that, you know. So we know that that can't work. That's exactly right. So critical race theory, and I'll just say in the interest of time, CRT structures society according to levels of oppression. It asserts that those who are most oppressed have a better vantage point from which to critique the broken structures around them. Mm. This goes back to what our sister Anna Avery was talking about, mm -hmm. how people who are poor and oppressed have a better view of Scripture. <laughs> They're gonna, they have a better knowledge, a higher knowledge of Scripture, yeah. right? Think about how that has no place in the church. Right. CRT, now this always blows my mind to even mention this. CRT uses as its methodology, and I'm putting it in quotes, the science of narrative or storytelling or experience. So here you have an academic philosophy that relies heavily on opinion and anecdote. Mm. The <laughs> I feels of science. Right. It is the, can I tell you what happened to me science? And so therefore it must be true and must have bearing that's on everyone crazy. else because it happened to me. It makes, it makes absolutely no sense. In fact, to me, it's that's, that's beneath academia to even accept it. Mm. Where's the, where's the study and the observation? No, it's just this anecdote. Let me tell you my story here. And so this means that it's happening everywhere to all people. <laughs> all right. I want to, one, one of the things that I wanted to do was, um, and, and I don't want to talk so much about intersectionality. So I'm going to jump down and, and do kind of a comparison because I think it's so interesting when there are people who say, um, you know, there are things that we can take from critical race theory. We don't mm -hmm. have to use all of it, you know. Um, but every generation of the church, this is my, my, I agree with Tertullian. Okay. Every generation of the church must ask the question that Tertullian asked when he says, what has Athens to do with Jerusalem? Mm. In other words, what is, what is going on in the world have to do with what is going on in the church? So we, we as Christians, right, we cannot find common ground with proponents of critical race theory. Right. Even they say this, and I'm going to end with this. Even they say this. Uh, Patricia Hill Collins, a distinguished professor at the University of Maryland, um, who is also looked at or looked to as the architect of intersectionality or intersectional feminism. She was asked how or if proponents of critical race theory and intersectionality might find common ground with conservatives who disagree with them. Mm -hmm. And this is what she said, quote, no, 
You cannot bring these two worlds together. Hmm. You must be oppositional. You must fight. For me, it's a line in the sand. So even those who are the proponents of CRT, they don't say that you can take what you like and then leave the rest. If you don't agree with us on all points, then you don't agree with us at all is what they say. Mm. All right. Aaron the Addisons, we're out of time. (laughs) Until tomorrow, Lord willing. God bless.